you know, race swap is a really big um, conversation right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you can race swap a character, like Velma from Scooby Doo, you know Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. Can you make Velma brown, or should she always be white because that character was written to be white? And is it appropriate? Should James Bond continue to be a white man, or could he be anything else? Because England is built on immigration, right?、Mm-hmm. So. One would argue, why can't he be black? But someone else could argue, why not create your own character for you know ethnic swapping, like Double O Six or Double O Nine or something? It's a really interesting conversation. Welcome to the Other Storyteller, the podcast sparking conversation in the arts and media world. I'm Maria, a filmmaker, entrepreneur, and curious artist from Colombia, living in the UK and Canada. The world is full of stories of cultures, places, and people, and I want to meet the most inspiring artists and storytellers from across cultures to uncover the stories that become art. Today is a very special day. It's our first ever episode, and I couldn't think of a better conversation to start than with a good friend of mine that is a very talented British creative director living in Canada. He's from Punjabi origin. And、uh, he has won plenty of awards in Canada for his advertising work, such as the Summit and Hermes Awards. And today we have him here. He is a visionary futurist. He loves everything to do with the metaverse, AR, and VR. Please give a warm welcome to my friend Robin Leck. Wow, what an intro! Thank you so much. You like- I think you you know more about me than I know about myself. I think at this point. <laughs> well,、That's、not、pleasure. so much. <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, we are really excited to have you. And、uh, one of the key things that I wanted to start by understanding a little bit is what you're looking forward to at the moment. What are you really into?、Um, what are your passions? Uh, I mean. It's this moment in time. It's it's it goes without saying, but there's a ton of AI. I think last week we just saw ChatGPT four, MidJourney five, and Unreal Engine five point one come out all in the same week. So everyone's mind's pretty blown right now.、Um, so a ton of AI. What it means to be you know use AI as a creative. What it means for our industry.、Um, it's exciting to see what it means for people who aren't in our industry. I think that's pretty cool, you know, chatting to family and friends who are doing accounting or you know law and this and that, and and seeing how they use it. But as well as you mentioned,、uh, extended reality and and metaverse,、uh, what that means as well as a as a concept and also as a channel that people are trying to use right now. So that's the stuff I'm pretty much big on right now. That's actually so interesting, and I think that. A lot of people in the media world are definitely thinking about how we can use AR, VR, the metaverse, and everything to、um, just create a different interaction or a di- different experience for users. But、um, we've talked in the last year or so about so many different applications, and I know that you've been very interested in like potentially starting something in that in that.、Um, Space. You're very curious. I know that you did speak at a recent event as well about the topic,、um, but I wanted to hear a little bit more about 
where did you start your journey? Like, how did you even get into that world of AR, VR, metaverse? How did you enter that world? How did you even enter the world of art? I come from a creative family, I'd say. My mum did a fashion degree when I was a kid, when I was a baby. So I got to see her making, you know, clothes out of crazy things, you know, from a really young age. She would, she made a dress out of car parts once. Um, sweet wrappers. I, I remember she had me and my brother and sister eating sweets till midnight because she needed the wrappers so she could, she could iron it together, melt them together to create like a, a, a really flowy dress. So that my, my, my dad, uh, did the designs on windows, you know, the LED, the lead uh, stained glass designs on windows. So, you know, I got to see that um, and just everyone, I guess everyone in my family has been pretty creative and, and very supportive of me doing creative things. But if I distill it even further, we just watched a ton of movies when we were kids. It was movie night every Friday, you know, pirate DVD from <laughs> from the pub, you know, someone selling DVDs out of a suitcase, buy one, watch a movie and uh, and uh, I think at some point in my life, I was just like, I need to know how the hell they made this. And and from that point, I, you know, I had a decision. It was either computer science or computer graphics. Um, and I thought, fuck it, let's go for uh, sorry if this is uh, not meant to swear on this, but I thought, fuck it, you know, let's go for computer graphics. Let's find out how they made this. You know, that's when that's when the advent of like really strong CGI came out into yeah. into movies. And I was I honestly I remember and it's not a great film, but I remember I was watching Transformers because I used to watch it as a kid and I just could not understand how they made it look so real. So that obsession of trying to figure it out. Went to Kingston in London, did 3D animation, figured it out, got obsessed with the media and then and then ended up working in, you know, advertising because it's a it's an easier step than film. Right? Yeah, it's, you know that, right? So that's so and, interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. I don't think that a lot of people actually in this space have families that are all artists. As you might know, obviously, we are um, from a time where there's been a boom, where there's a lot more jobs, where there's so many companies that do CGI and then they have like crazy amounts of teams to do absolutely everything, the sound effects and everything. Um, that's actually, I imagine, like such a ble like blessed experience to have yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a fun environment. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be supported to do it. I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of Indians will go into business and uh, accounting and finance and things like this that are mm -hmm. obviously more stable, but they make a lot of sense as well. You know, the stereotypes yeah. kind of true. So I was, I was lucky that my mom was like, just do what you love and and you'll figure out how to make money along the way. So it, it worked out. That is pretty incredible. So yeah. tell me a little bit about that first memory that you have of a film or something that you saw that you were like, this is it. I am going to become an artist. I need to do this. You were talking a little bit about Transformers. But was that that first like movie that you were like, I need to do this? Or was there anything else that you think sparked that first decision? It's pretty abstract, but me and my brother used to watch a lot of things together, a lot mm -hmm. of documentaries. And I, I you know, it's, I don't know how connected this is, but we, we used to watch a lot of Egyptian documentaries as well. 
the ancient Egypt and the yeah. and history around the world and we learned about the pyramids and we just sit at home watching it and we were just we were super young and I vaguely remember the concept of these pharaohs building these pyramids as like uh as a thing to be remembered by you know horrific mm-hmm. kind of ways they built it so I'm not glorifying that but they are amazing structures there's no there's no no doubt about it right we're still talking about it today so I think that concept of leaving something behind to be remembered by really stuck in my brain for some reason when I was a young kid and and I think I just naturally latched onto all the film I was watching and then realizing like these you know my dad making me watch old films or watching new films with my mom I was like it didn't matter when they came out they were just they were constants right that you're immortalized in 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 video so I don't remember what film it was, but that concept of being remembered kind of made me want to want to do it. That's so interesting. You know, um, I think that my first approach to just wanting to make film and just being super passionate, I and I obviously love this. It's kind of like my dream still somewhere in my heart, um, just like working for Nat Geo or like History Channel. Like yeah, that yeah. was... Sundays with my dad just like laying down watching like history and stuff and just thinking that same thing it's like wanting to be remembered wanting to do something that outlasts something that collaborates to like the creation of culture or something that's so interesting yeah I mean stories right everything's a story even what Mm -hmm. we do now advertising it's all storytelling the bible look at that that's a story that was one of the greatest stories ever told, they say, because look how look how powerful it is. So, yeah, I just want to, you know, wanted to tell stories and then ended up naturally falling into advertising. Um, still trying to get into film, but naturally just fell into advertising, I think. Yeah. 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 And I think that it's uh, we share that we worked together for what, five years, four yeah. years. Yeah. Can't even years. remember. But definitely some of the best experiments were done on set we just yeah. yeah we rolled with a lot of the punches and it was like a really interesting creative environment for us as well I think we we were given a lot of creative freedom and space mm. for exploration and you championed that to the next level like you just made sure you convinced clients that this was a way forward and mm. I just remember so many times I was like there's no way they're gonna buy it Rob like please like get a safe idea and you were just like no we have to do this i really really appreciate that (laughs) a big part of it is just bullshit right we just sell and i i know that sounds really bad like we just made it up but no there is a lot of thought that goes behind it but you just got to kind of bullshit your way for it as that's as genuine as i can say it and and as nice as i can say it. you know some of the stuff we would say in a presentation, I, I had no idea I was saying those words till they came out of my mouth. And I, I'd purposefully not rehearse my presentations. And I still don't. I do not rehearse my presentations. I make them, I put them away, and then I open them five minutes before the presentation. Because if I've rehearsed it, it's fake. If I can say it on the fly, I felt I feel it. You know what I mean? It should just be felt. Absolutely. Yeah. So I love I love trying and we were both young had like you said a lot of freedom so why not we had no we had no one saying don't do this I know that's actually and that's so powerful and so lucky to have that opportunity because at Mm. the end of the day advertising yes it's a world that has a lot of money that can be invested into these ends and 
it's a great place to try a lot of things that you're not going to get to try in film because it's so expensive to run a set. But at the same time, a lot of the agencies might have someone um, that just kind of has all the shots and says everything and limits what has to be done or what who can do it, right? Because at the end of the day, we just arrived and we had so many different freedoms. Um, I even remember you making me a help direct something in French and I just was like my first week oh, yeah. at Blink. <laughs> that was a really interesting experience, but it worked out. And we actually, that's one of the ones that we got awards for back in the day. You took my Epson. Yeah, Epson. Oh man, I got I got chastised for that actually in the beginning. Everyone was like, well, "This has gone really downhill. You're over budget. It's not looking too great." And then and next thing you know, they ended up ordering like three more videos, and we win some awards for it. So it it did rock me. That did actually rock me a little. It knocked my confidence a little bit. Where I was like, "Okay, maybe I won't direct the next one." But then I I feel like you got to go through those things, right? You gotta have moments of failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good time. That's so funny. Um, so tell me a little bit about, like, what do you bring from your culture? You were talking about earlier, like, you know, so many of the kids from your culture end up going into banking, going into tech, into other different areas. But I think that we all bring a little bit of who we are, the work ethic that we are taught. Um, into our work, what do you think you've brought into advertising, into media, uh, from your culture and from the way that you were raised? So I'm I'm a child of of two cultures of England, well Britain and uh, and India, right? So it's and I'm living in Canada, so you know sadly i don't think i bring a lot from my indian culture into my advertising work and that's not because i don't want to i don't i just don't think there's a lot of opportunity to do that just yet mm -hmm. right I, i think that's a constant window i'm trying to find like i'm looking for it and you know me if i can if, if someone gives me like a and just a little gap of opportunity i'll start i'll take it i'll take the whole thing so i'm still looking for that and i'm trying to leak it in there But I definitely, I think I bring a lot of the British culture back into the advertising here in yeah. terms of, you know, that bit more, maybe it's a bit more sarcastic or a bit more thoughtful. I find it quite witty and a bit more yeah. um, interesting in terms of the culture of being, you know, Indian would just, again, it's a stereotype, but it's true. We're just hard workers. So I think I bring that culture, that hard working culture of just like, just nonstop, like just wanting to be the hardest working person in the room like I get I get a bit of a thrive off that and yeah. I know it's not a good thing I'm I'm probably a workaholic but it does kind of it gives me an edge over everybody else right I'm not I'm not Mike Tyson who's you know up at three in the morning running and then you know dominating the sport but at least I can do the best I can do which is learn constantly and then just work as hard as I can okay Ralph so I wanted to dig a little bit more into just representation and your culture um so one thing that i know that we didn't see that much at the agency i remember when we would have casting calls and um, we were getting the requisitions from the clients and we did have a lot of can we include uh, maybe some like females some males can we include actors <laughs> mm. of a uh, black origin 
or sometimes Hispanic, sometimes it would be Asian origin. And although India is in Asia, <laughs> which a lot of people don't consider it Asia for some reason, but I don't think we ever got asked to bring in Indian talent, which I, thinking back, I didn't even think about, hey, why are we not bringing in Indian talent, which is a huge community in Vancouver, huge community in Canada. Yeah. And I could even say like, in the UK, absolutely massive. Yeah. How how does that make you feel? Or is that something that do you con consciously process the fact that you're not seeing that type of representation? I think um, I only really started to realize it just before Black Lives Matter really kicked off. And, um, you know, you know, even in England growing up and coming across casual racism, you didn't really care. Like you just thought it's it casual, casual racism. Right. You thought it was normal. Everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. And that's OK. You know, and then growing up, getting older, you realize it's not OK. You know what that teacher said to me or how that teacher treated my my siblings or how that person in the bank was acting for no reason. Like, that's actually not OK. It's actually racist. It's 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 terrible. I'm not saying England's a racist country, but there's definitely places you you can and can't go, you know, depending on what culture you are. There's certain pubs you won't walk into and there's certain pubs you would. In advertising, I don't think I really realized. I think I was just so enamored by what I had to do that I didn't realize. We, yeah, you know, the best thing that we wanted. So when I worked at certain clients, you know, it, it would always they'd want some Asian you know, of, of Chinese descent, probably, because mm -hmm. that's the next closest thing to white. If we're looking at a spectrum, right, it's it's not too distinct from the shade of white and it's not too brown or black, like Asians are sweet spot. And then and then black people was definitely an ask because that was the other end of the spectrum for clients. And it's like, well, we've got a black person. We're good. You know, we, and we actually a lot of things were happening at the time just yeah. huge huge movements that i am so grateful that all of these conversations have started really incredibly sad that everything had to come from so much pain and so much yeah. turmoil but those conversations are so important right i mean it's confusing though right now like I want to see more brown people on screens, you know, and yeah. that's why I write my own media now and trying to come up with my own scripts. I want to see it. I do want representation. And and I'm not saying it in an aggressive way, like, oh, I feel underrepresented. I need it now. But I genuinely want people to just look at it and go, oh, you know, what? that feels OK. That feels good. But the interesting conversation in agencies is. If everybody's colored now, right. Everyone's like, you know, the question is, if I've got like, let's say I need 10 actors. Yeah. How many of them need to be ethnic? That's the question. Remember, I've asked people like, how much is too much and why can't everybody just be colored? You know, why does it mm -hmm. have to be 80% is too much? Let's slow down now. We're being, this is getting uncomfortable for certain people. I find that really interesting. It is, you know, one of the things that I also think about is there is always a request that on camera there's people of ethnic backgrounds but how about behind camera is it because we're not shown that we don't count i think that that is one of the key things that um i've been questioning myself a little bit because at the end of the day 
you know, there's plenty of camera people that are from ethnic backgrounds as well. Um, a lot of people that maybe don't have as much as many connections from family or friends or or different ways. But we all know well, or for those who don't know as well, um, the media industry moves a lot in. I know this person and I get jobs from this person that I have worked with just because they know your work ethic. But it's really difficult to enter when you are from the outside so if you moved from another country um how do you make those connections right and and that happens to a lot of people well, you've done a pretty good job you did it pretty well right you uh you joined guilds or groups and things but let me ask you do you identify as colored being an immigrant a lot of the time you are treated as so because of your accent or your capacity to speak English identically to everyone else, are you capable of doing the job? Right? Yeah. So there's I mean, different there's different parts of, of I guess my that whole question came from like black, you know, BIPOC, black indigenous uh, uh -huh. people of color. Like I yeah. I support it. I just don't I don't like being segmented into that personally like I support it if it can get you an interview but I would love to like I want the job on my skill alone like just on my skill like you know even if it's a blind interview where you never see my face or anything or my name and you just get me on skill alone brilliant but I guess why I asked that is because would you fall into BIPOC just because you look white I don't know you know, maybe you wouldn't. Yeah. And and you're saying support people cultured behind the screen. Maybe you would miss out on that because you are skin tone. You're not like me, you know. I think that it is a, a really difficult conversation. And at the end of the day, diversity doesn't just even start or end with race. It also includes gender. gender. It also includes where you come from, how you were brought up. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that what I would like to focus on is that experience, that enriching experience of having people from different backgrounds coming in and having those conversations. And I know that for yourself, you come from Derby in, in England, which is definitely like, I would say like a majority white um, town, but at the same time, it's a like you live in England, England has a huge, say in the Midlands, Jamaican population or people from the Caribbean, which I had no idea about. You have huge Pakistani, huge Indian communities. I haven't seen so many um, like Asians from like China or Korea in this area, or it might just be the city I live in, but there's a lot of that. Um, there's culture and there's so much diversity, but how do you how did you feel like growing in a town that it's majority white but where there's still a huge representation of different cultures do you think that that impacted who you were how you saw yourself did that impact even like just wanting to be an artist like it's so different like how did you fit into that did you ever feel like you had to become part of what everyone else from your um, culture was doing at the time, for example? No, 
I just about I lived I lived everything right my mum my mum championed diversity like like she she read the bible she read the you know she went to the Godwara as well the you know Sikh temple she went to the Hindu temple she she went to gospel she had friends that were Jehovah's Witnesses and my point is she she eclectically consumed everything and was open to everything and made us do it as well and said choose you choose choose what you want to do now so I was okay with the school we went to you go in England you go primary school and secondary school you know your first school when you're a child and your secondary school when you're a teenager before college so my primary school we were the only brown family in the entire school right my siblings and my cousins before me and then they're a bit older than me so then it was just in my year it was just me and one of a brown kid that was it and then I moved to my secondary school and you know I'd say there wasn't a lot of white people so it was a real shock a culture shock to me to see those two different worlds and but I guess I got to see them which was cool I got to see the difference you know I really found my best friends which I keep today uh in that secondary school and I found what it meant to like you know they are my best friends are you know my closest friends are Indian they're up Punjabi as well so I guess I got to find out what it means to have shared values, I guess, shared culture. You can connect mm -hmm. on a different level and it has impacted my work. You know, Indian culture is quite very colorful. It's a lot of food. It's a lot of color. You know, the, the fashion's amazing. The jewelry's incredible. The events are long and meant to be fun, you know, and I think that colorful joyness has kind of seeped its way into my work for sure. You know, I don't do depressing things. I, tr you know, I try not to. So uh, I think it's had its impact. Moving to London changed my life for the fact that I then is when I really became a cultured person. And you are a very cultured person because you've moved around the world. You've seen people, you've met people. But I moving to London meant I got to meet people from different like races, different like countries, different like sexual orientation. Like I got to meet everybody I could and talk to them as a bartender. Mm -hmm. So I was like, it was happy days. That, that's when I really learned how to become cultured and and, a, and I guess borrow things from everyone's culture to kind of make yeah. a colorful piece of art, right? And definitely London has to be like the most out there city for like everything you can ever see. Like you will see people wearing all kinds of different clothes, all kinds yeah. of uh, like, Honestly, like I've never met people from so many countries as when mm. I go to London, every time you step into London, like you could find anyone from any country. I would not be surprised, um, which honestly from I, I am Colombian and you do have like a lot of white indigenous and black and then uh, mestizos or mulatos, which are like um, just people that have mixed uh, origin. But I remember we had um, three Asian girls and one Asian boy in our school. And that was the only Asian people I saw in my entire life in until Columbia. I went on trips. Um, no, they were actually Chinese and they had moved uh, with their family. But I think I never met someone that was of Indian origin, for example. Um, I think until, well, maybe in my travels at some point, but I can't recall until I moved to Canada when I was already 18 years old, which is, you would actually think it's a very diverse place, but it's actually like 
not so diverse where I come from. Hey, until I left home, I never even heard of pho. Like pho, I never even oh. heard of it. Never even heard of ramen. I had no idea what that was. Ate sushi maybe once, moved to London, started experiencing it, moved to Vancouver. I was like, what the hell is this? Never even heard of this thing. And then, you you, you know, I was eating that thing every single week. I was eating pho yeah. every single week. And, and I, you know, it's just crazy how, like, this is what I mean. Like, you grow into your own culture and you experience it. And I'm so glad I did in Derby. I got to see, like, Indian people and learn about the culture from my friends. You know, every family is different. They cook different food. They do different things on weddings. But it helps you establish a good foundation, but you've got to get out of your culture. You've got to go find out what everybody else is doing and then use that to, like, kind of bolster your own culture, you know? You can't. It, it's too much of a closed box just to think I'm Indian. I'm going to look at Indian stuff and just do Indian things. It would never work. I mean, there's definitely a lot of artists that do very culturally specific yeah. Um, art, which I find freaking amazing and so interesting. Um, but I also know that it's not that they don't look at something else, but they choose to do things of a specific uh, culture more yeah, so, they, maybe. I think, no, that's good, but they are definitely looking at other things. For sure. Right? You definitely. have to. To get inspired even more, you know? Absolutely. Or even just to see what not to do. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter, but you've got to look outside of it. I look at Bollywood, you know, I think Bollywood could be so much better. Compared, you know, it's doing some good stuff, but how could you make, you know, when you talk about good Indian films, Indian British films, everyone just says Bend It Like Beckham. That's the only thing that comes up. I don't know if you've seen that film being. No, you know, I haven't. Film. Right, we'll go watch it now that you're in England. Um, but that's the one th film that everyone comes up with. So I'd love to see more of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And um, we actually have talked a little bit about um, an animation script that you have been working on. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about um, your your plot line, but it's basically immigrants in the streets of London, right? Um, and, you know, actually, I don't know that I've seen so much of that theme, funny enough, in a city like London that I was just mentioning. Almost everyone is an, an immigrant. It's yeah, so yeah. colorful. So why are you so interested in um, doing that? And why are you the person to, to write that script? Why does it matter to you? Uh, I started reading Race and Class in the Ruins of an Empire by Akala, who is a really smart guy from the UK and a rapper as well, right? And his book taught me a lot about the Windrush generation, which is why England is built on on immigration after the, the fall of the empire. They invited everybody, said, hey, come over, we'll give you housing, give you money, you can help build our roads and infrastructure. Um, and that's how I learned about how my family and all my friends' families like came to England. Um, and then he started talking about little things like they don't teach you about the British Empire or anything in school. They don't. They teach you about Henry VIII. Have you heard of Henry VIII, Marie? Yes, but I had no idea that you guys were not taught anything about the British Empire. Nothing real. But you've heard of Henry VIII? Yeah, loosely. I'm not, I'm not a 
pro in any British royalty anything. There's so many kings and queens. The guy who had like eight wives, right? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They teach you about that. And that isn't, it might be fun, but it's it's actually quite misogynistic uh, ruler who didn't do a lot of good things other than create the Church of England. So so he could divorce his wife legally. Um, yeah. So those aren't values that want to be taught. And I basically, I basically found like there's a lot of misinformation um, with like colored people or, or immigrants in the UK. And, and like you said, there's not a lot of representation of immigrants. So I kind of just wanted to see it. I really wanted to see it. And I didn't want to wait for another Bendit like Beckham to come out every 20 years. You know, I just wanted to start making it myself and and align with people who can, you know, feel like they get to see it as well kind of stuff. The other guys on the project are white Canadians, you know? Yeah. So, you know, one could argue what right do they have? to talk about these things and and I could argue you know it does not matter like I'm trying to be as cultured as possible and in, as inclusive as possible I don't care if they're white like these guys are great storytellers and I want to you know use their skill they, they're inspired by immigrant stories too so Absolutely. why not why not tell that story you know just because mm-hmm. they're white would be a terrible thing to miss out on so it's like top boy meets blade runner and a lot of representation but what I'm really excited about is as well as seeing Indians, and I mean Punjabi Indians, because we don't have that right now in TV. We see more darker skinned or or super light skinned, like we don't see real Punjabi Indians. Um, it's female representation. I don't think female representation has done that well in a lot of film and TV right now. You know, I look yeah. at Ocean's 8, it was a terrible film to represent women, you know, um, and I've been brought up by women. So I, I really wanted to kind of show that that's really important for me. That is yeah. that is a huge topic. And and realistically, also. When people talk about diversity in certain areas, especially like film, I feel like women. Are so underrepresented. It's incredible. And it's sometimes on screen, there's a little bit more representation, but even on set, it's um, it can be difficult. It can be difficult. Yeah, I want to film, you know, I want media that like a woman can just like a woman or person of color. And I don't just mean a person of color. I mean, like everything like Indian, Muslim, you know, people from Mongolia, Ukraine or Polish, you know, everybody is such a mountain pot in England. I want them to just watch it and just be like, I feel, you know, I feel this and it needs to be told. And everyone I've spoken to so far who's supported the project and it's going really well has said this just needs to be made. That's their answer. It just needs yeah. to be made, you know. Absolutely. And I also think and know the person that you're working with. Um, and I just know that this is a person that's so respectful and admiring of other cultures. And and I think that there is a difference um between being exploitative of a foreign culture and a foreign story and being a person that is an ally and a person that wants to bring forward those stories and that wants to help make them happen um so i definitely agree with you i i find that it's an interesting conversation to have at times um and it can be difficult even uh, we were talking before about me being considered white sometimes so why am i even having this conversation about diversity you know um but at the end of the day it's your intention and what your purpose is 
that really matters. Yeah, I mean, let's chat about this Adam McKay and yeah. and and Jonathan Norton or John Boy, you know, and those guys, they're great guys to work with. And we've been doing this for about four years now. So we're trying to we we're trying to get it out. And what I like about the show is it's not just immigrants for the sake of immigration. They're set in the future a little bit in a grounded future. That's why I said Blade Runner is uh, they're climate refugees. We wanted to to talk a little bit about um, race swapping. What are your thoughts on this conversation that is currently happening in the space of media? So I love it. Me and my wife will debate constantly. You know, I play devil's advocate. So even if I agree with what she's saying, I'll say the opposite thing just to have a good conversation. But uh, right now you got Mindy Kaling who did the new Velma series and she's getting pretty gaslighted. I mean, there's a few things I would say are wrong with the show. Um, she's getting told it's over-sexualized a, a child's character, but she's race swapped Velma to be brown, right? And and people are asking if that's appropriate or not. And, you know, other conversations which are more grounded is like the new 007. Everybody wants it to be Idris Elba. They've wanted it for years. I want Idris Elba to be 007 because he's a cool guy. But people, you know, housemates or friends in the past have said that, you know, Rav not being racist, but 007 is white. He should always be white. And I was like, but what? How would it make you feel if he's black? Like, would it really change it? He's a cool agent at the end of the day. That's it. He's the he's the best, most suave agent you're going to find. But then my wife's, you know, argument is make your own character. Like make a new character for that ethnic person and make it so great. It doesn't matter that, you know, you don't need to take over 007. You just made this amazing new character for this person. And I don't disagree with her. I, I, I don't disagree with either side. I think 007 could be ethnic or they could make a 008 who's just amazingly sick, you know? Yeah, but there's also, I think, again, devil's advocate. There's also the fact that as kids, we grow up seeing these characters and there is a part of us that wants to be like them, you know? And mm. to be completely honest, I have that. I'm not with 007, but I have that with Hermione from Harry sure. Potter. And you know, yeah. I have like a big obsession, but I mean, there's a part of me that's like, I will just never sound like her. I will never be like her in so many things. and. I actually think my personality is quite similar to hers, um, which is like why if they were to remake it, couldn't she be Colombian? You know, like I would be the happiest person. My inner child would just like pop or something. Feel, like, I don't know. I mean, do you feel, you know, Disney does a lot of Latino representation, I'd say. You know, More you got recently. Encanto. Uh, More recently, yeah. Yeah, more recently, for sure. Recently, but you got yeah. Encanto. And I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. I mean, do you feel that, though? I mean, Encanto is not Colombian. It is Colombian. 100%. It is Colombian? Oh. 100%. So, actually, Encanto is based on 100 years of solitude. And it's not the same story, but a lot of the things that are written are, like, the yellow butterflies are a huge topic in 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And if anyone hasn't heard about it, it's basically Colombian 
Colombia's biggest uh, piece of literature. It's uh, it's won the Nobel Prize in the past. What's so, a hundred years of solitude. Yeah, yeah, it's it uh, one of my favorite books. Quite well, long. Apologies, I did not part. know it was Colombian. I, I no I worries. But all right, so backtrack. Forget Encanto was made. Yeah. Coco, remember Coco? Yes, I actually didn't watch it. Oh, sorry. I'm just I wondering, know. like, would you even feel would you feel glad about that? I think it's Mexican, I believe. Yeah. But would you? You're not Mexican. You're Colombian. You know, fair enough. You share a language of forms, but would that make you feel represented? Seeing a Mexican character, would it make you feel somewhat represented or not at all? I think that it does. I think that there's a lot of cultures, even beyond Colombian, Mexican, and Peruvian, that we tend to have a lot of the representation. A little bit Brazil as well, but a lot of countries are forgotten in the media and are forgotten. They're just like generally like smaller countries, potentially smaller populations. But like, damn, like I, I wonder when was the last time that a character was Uruguayan or Paraguayan or I don't know, like I think that those little things as a kid, they make you feel like you're not cool, like you're not born in the right country. That's how I felt being little. Just like, oh, I'm never gonna be a star because I wasn't, I will never be able to get rid of my accent. I was not from the right culture. And obviously, as you grow up, you realize that those are limiting beliefs that you need to deconstruct and move past because there is a space for you. But that's also a space you have to build for yourself and for others. I think that's the point is like when you do grow up, you do think, you know, it's normal. It's like just stop complaining, get on with the system and, and, and you know, be a part of it. And and now it's like, you know, start building things where you can be proud of and people can come there. Yeah, I love I love Miss Marvel. I thought it was a great series just for the sake it was, you know, as well. Brown, brown people. Right. Mm-hmm. But what. I'm cognizant of is I don't think they'll make an Indian uh, Punjabi one now because they filled their quota of brown brown representation right it was they needed to do it and i i think you know they needed to do it because islamophobia in the us is huge right islamophobia across the world is huge so they needed to do it but what i'm i i I know they won't do an indian punjabi indian one either you know now because Mm -hmm. they won't for for everybody else brown people are brown people you know, it's not like, and for a lot of people, Latino people, Latino people, people think Spanish, Mexican, Portuguese, Brazilian, maybe they're not thinking, you know, people from Argentina or Uruguay or Guatemala or anywhere, you know, so that's why I was, I was interested if you felt like Coco, but you haven't seen it, you know, if that yeah. was like, if you felt the same way or not. Yeah, that that's an interesting topic. And also, I think there's like, I think I'm not sure if it's the same for you, but when I see other Latin American cultures highlighted, I definitely feel so happy because there's something closer and more similar to me. Um, I think that one of the key reasons that for me it's very important that there's a representation of Latin America is, uh, sorry, of Colombia specifically, is that we have had so much representation of narco related topics. And I just can't hear it once more. I need a different narrative. Um, mm. And I don't know if it's the same for you. And and obviously, like, Indians from Punjabi origin uh, are quite different in some aspects. Um, and, and I think 
probably not as represented. Um, yeah, very, yeah, very different, yeah. very underrepresented. Like, you bend it like Beckham is the thing I keep hearing about. And Pride, Pride and Prejudice or Bride and Prejudice? Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. Those, those are the two, no, but there's one called Bride and Prejudice. Have you seen that? It's an Indian English. Bride and Prejudice? No. Yeah. So that's a, an Indian version of it, an Indian English version. It's actually really funny. But those are the two movies that everybody knows. I want to see more. I want to see like some real stuff. Riz Ahmed's doing some really cool stuff, you know, like some gritty, really like truthful, dramatic things. And I love that. But I, I want to see more. I want to see more. And I'm not feeling it right now. I'm not feeling that represented. But I'm not going to wait. I'm going to just do it myself. Let me ask you this next question, yeah. um, which is an interesting space where you've been a little bit playing with and okay. where a lot of what's going to happen is to be written, right? So what do you think is going to be the role of AR, VR, um, metaverse in that diversion, inclusion, representation? Do you think that there's something else that it can offer us? tricky i know you know we've spoken about this before but I, I i don't know i don't know how uh i mean it's you're allowed to represent yourself in your truest form if whatever you want to be you can be and i think that's amazing you know you can be orange or blue skinned you could be an alien or a robot and i think that's really fun it's like gaming really mm -hmm. and there's a reason why gaming is so popular so i love that aspect i want to see more you know dove released the campaign and rightly so, where they had more heavier set avatars and mm -hmm. things. Because, you know, you look at the avatars, they're slim, they're bipedal, mm -hmm. they walk, they are, you know, normal hair and this and that. But Dove had heavier set people or to even disabled people. And I think that was awesome. I want to see more of that kind of um, mm -hmm. representation in metaverse platforms or digital platforms where, you know, I've got friends that are, are disabled or wheelchair bound or, you know, um, or kind of have different experiences of life and I want if I could see those people like I would be interested how they would feel maybe they want a wheelchair with rockets on the back but that sounds so dope could you make it so cool that I want a wheelchair with rockets on the back as well you know rather than like hey you know I know you've been in wheelchair your whole life but now you get to a chance to digitally be like me I want a chance to digitally be like you because you know what? that looks fucking cool like and how would they feel like if mm -hmm. I wanted to do that, they'd feel amazing. I'd love that moment, you know? I think so that's so interesting, yeah. We're still getting there. Right now it's in a gaming phase, but we're still getting there, I think, in terms of like a natural platform. You still got to learn for five years before we're somewhere really crazy. I think that one thing that I question yeah. and explore and try to think about from different angles because I don't have the answers is I think that there's an opportunity for representation, but I wonder whether if you know if you're making an ad where you have a person in a wheelchair, it's probably easier to get an avatar than to get a person in a wheelchair into a studio and accommodate for them. And I think that those are the conversations we also have to have uh, regarding the metaverse and AR, VR, and obviously there's the whole talk about talent being replaced. But the reality is, you know, like if you could have like backup dancers, I think Ready Player Me was showing about how you can create um, backup dancers. 
are you not going to get now the backup dancers that you know have actually been underrepresented so then you're just going to go pay a platform to create an avatar and then people that have the skill are not getting actually casted to be on that video so maybe the one black person that could be represented now that a lot of things have um advanced or the people from indian descent or the people i don't know even from mongolia whatever um yeah. you know like they might not ever get that chance now that we're even starting to have this conversation so i guess that's i think that's level playing field though you know if i needed five white people and it was easier for me you know what it's like sometimes we got a 10 grand idea with a 200 dollar budget you know yeah so if I needed five white people and I could do it with AI art, you know, making the posters rather than a casting call, regardless of their culture, my budget dictates I'm going to, I have to use that tool. I have to get it out. So I don't, I get what you're saying. You know, they're going to miss, They people might miss their chances now with digitized experiences or representation, but like it's coming for everybody. Yeah, and I don't think it. I don't think it will ever die out. You know, TikTok does a great, you know, for all the, you know, I find everything a bit too woke. And I'm not trying to get you cancelled, Maria, but, you know, a certain level of wokeness is a good thing. You know, um, I don't think it will ever get to that point where people are put back into boxes and forgotten about, you know, because people will just now they'll speak up about it and I, and they'll share their message and, you know, it's good stuff. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. I, anyways, it's um, I think a continuous exploration and definitely not something with a straight up answer, to be honest. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what the metaverse is. No, yeah. and it's anyways, you know what, as things progress, as long as we keep in mind all of these conversations, we're able to move forward in the right direction um, intentionally. Yeah, I love the opportunity to educate in the metaverse. You know, mm -hmm. I can I don't have to build a museum. I can just make a digital one and people can go see it for free, you know, around mm -hmm. the world and learn about themselves, their own history or somebody else's. I think that's awesome. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But so yeah. I am cognizant of your time. So I just want to end with a few quick questions. Um, yeah. Feel free if you want to just explore one a little bit more, it's fine. Um, what advice would you give to your younger self to proceed, pursue a career in media or film or advertising? I think um, I would try not to buy into self-sabotage. I think self-sabotage is a real thing. I think there's a point where you get really scared like you get you might get an opportunity and for as excited as you are you get a little bit scared and a little bit of doubt creeps in and you might not take it you might kind of convince yourself of an excuse like oh i'm too busy or i missed the deadline because i wasn't feeling well and i would probably i would try to like be a bit more fearless like just figure out how it goes you know and 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 do that other than that i have no regrets like don't if I'm talking to someone else just don't regret anything just keep doing it you can't you've made your decisions you just got to be happy with them and figure out how it goes if I didn't if I didn't come to Vancouver you know and take the first job I was offered which was where we worked you know I wouldn't have met yourself or I wouldn't have met Adam who now is a lifelong friend who I've been writing with for five years like 
everything happens for a reason take that into into heart right yeah absolutely and i think that what you're saying about self-sabotage is like so big in so many industries i'm not gonna say it's specific to ours but we come from a, an industry that's very intangible that yeah. your skill is not like uh i can do this math this equation it's like I'm talented and you have to trust me or you you have to like what I have done, you know, or you have to trust that with what I have done, I'm able to do what you want me to do sometimes. So definitely um, yeah. <laughs> a tough so industry. Yeah, but self-sabotage and everyone's so real right now, I think. So Just real, recognizing yeah. it helps, you know. I think if everyone takes, anyone who's watching this, be it 10 or a million people, just think about a moment that you think you might self-sabotage yourself, reflect on it, and, and you know, chances are you won't do it again, which is a great thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, that's great advice. So if you could choose a person to collaborate with on a film, who would it be? In what perspectives do you expect that person to contribute to the medium or the culture or the piece that you're making? It's difficult because you know, you know, you and I are both, uh, you know, movie heads. Like you know, and pretty much all the friends that we've shared are, are huge on movies. But I, I mean, I just love Wes Anderson stuff. Like I just can't, oh, yeah. I just can't get over it. You know, I'm trying to get my wife into it to watch everything. But I just, man, I don't know what. I know he has a certain genre in a sense. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not doing Blade Runner. But yeah. if I said to you, Wes Anderson's doing a take on Blade Runner or Batman, I know as confused as you might look, you'd be like, what the hell? I need to go watch this. Like, what is that? You know, you'd be so 100%. intrigued. So if Wes Anderson, I know he did Darjeeling Limited and he has a lot of, you know, he has that um, that one Indian actor who's always in his in his movies, the the seat guy. Do you remember there's always a seat guy with a turban? In, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Like, um... He's a he's a famous model as well. Something but he's, he's, Mur Murphy, something Murphy, no. Mate, there's an Indian guy with a with a beard and a turban. Oh he's no, I know which project. one. Yeah, I know, in, I know. Sorry, yeah. guys, I will have to uh, link it because <laughs> I forgot his name too. But like, so I know Wes Anderson's probably open to it. But man, if he could work, if I could work with him on something like Bollywood esque or even English esque, I think it'd be amazing. It'd blow my mind. Absolutely, and you know. Talking about diversity and just stories, one of the things that I think was just so interesting, I thought that uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox was a very subtle hint at humanity. To me, that's just like, I just love it. I love how movies like that or books like Mouse just explore how we treat each other as humans uh different species really but different races and, and and it's just shown through different species i think it's a very interesting allegory oh i love it i watched it yesterday actually really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see what i mean everything happens for a reason you know if it sounds like coincidence it isn't it means you're on the right track absolutely yeah. absolutely um okay next one if you had to choose a country to watch films from it for a whole entire month, what's the country and why? 
I have to go Korean, man. I just have to go Korean. Like the, you know, and you, we have another fr shared friend, Andy, you know, but Squid Games yeah. was not the pinnacle of Korean media. And it's such a shame. Like it pisses him off because he think because he, you know, fears that no one's really understanding how great cinema is in Korea. Mm -hmm. Like just like their chicken, they make amazing films, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I would I yeah. would watch as much Korean media as I could. My brother got me into it actually, and I've seen some like the stories are incredible, the acting's insane, you know, the cinematography is so unreal. Like yeah. raw and subtle and like that tension building is just like is <gasps> old boy Korean or is that Japanese? Korean as far as I know. Right. Korean. Yeah. I hope yeah. so. But man, like even that, as crazy as that film is to watch, like, you know, it's got some really brutal themes in it. But man, what a film, like unreal. There's just, I have to say, like the part where he's hitting the octopus, it's just like something yeah. about it. It's like well, it's real so well. violent and so yeah. disturbing. Like, I don't know. I want to say it's a good choice, but you're going to be a little bit. Sorry for the word fucked up in your brain after watching yeah. only Korean films for I a would month. Pepper in, I'd pepper in some Pixar in that month, you know? I, I don't know. You're going to have to find some Korean Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, I just think that you have amazing, amazing cinema, you know? And uh, if you don't know what to watch, go make a Korean friend and ask him because they're also amazing people, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, yeah. that was a absolutely great answer um okay the last one not the all least right. one all right name a film art piece or installation i know you're very eclectic what would you recommend people put at the top of their list and i have to say this guy has good good taste no, so if he recommends you watch don't say that 100 percent. for a film to watch or uh Film, art piece, installation, something that you're like, just go watch this, everyone, because your brain is going to be blown. No, don't say that, Maria, because you're more, Maria, you're more, uh, you're more educated in the arts, I think, than me, you know? Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. I, I would say I am educated in art history, but film, I'm a little bit behind these days. No, I don't know. Film, I, I, you know, there's, there's, uh, I'll tell you some things to go look at that aren't really there right now, but you can Google it. Oliver Ellison's, um, weather project, like, damn, God, Jesus Christ, like that. I didn't even get to see it in person, mm -hmm. but I felt it when I was like researching into it. It's the most amazing, one of the most amazing installations I've ever kind of looked into. And, and I what's look so interesting about it? Tell no, us a little just, bit, so like a little hint. So everyone is like, I'm going to go look at Alison Weber's project. If Roger Deakins, the famous cinematographer, did art, it would be that project. You know, it's a glowing, it's an empty warehouse with this humongous sun-like sphere, the yellow sphere that just fills the room with this yellow warm light. And people are just sitting there contemplating kind of how that makes them feel or, or, you know, meditatively looking at themselves. And I think it's just insane. Look at it. It's like yeah. a James Thorell kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, he just yeah. plays with colors in the most simplest way to make you feel something very complex. I'd look at Harris Newcomb for a fun side. You probably haven't heard. I don't know if you heard of him. Harris Newcomb. He's a, he's an immigrant 
uh, well, he's, he's from immigration kind of background in England, an amazing photographer, amazing photographer. His stuff is so vivid and uh, abstract. It's not even that abstract, but it just blows my mind. And then film wise, I don't know, Maria. I have no idea. I'd say go go watch, uh, just for the fact that it's cool, is go watch Severance, if you haven't seen it. Severance? Severance, yeah. I will, that- I will. And I will actually drop the list in the comments or whatever, the description, so everyone can actually look at it, because if you recommend it, I'm watching it. Severance probably one of the best TV shows I've ever seen, I think. I'll, I'll put it that high. It was it blew my mind. So understanding that your time is limited and so incredibly grateful for everything that you've shared with us from different perspectives, having open conversations. And I understand that a lot of the things we might talk about in here can be sensitive. Um, I want to ask people that you please take things with a grain of salt, that um, at no point are we trying to be, um, to have difficult conversations in manners that are not careful. If you think that we did at any point, I am open to listening to comments and uh, we definitely love having these conversations between us and inviting you into these conversations so we can all profit and create more of a diverse environment for film and arts. So thank you very much, Rav, for having us today. Thank you, yeah. Everyone keep watching Maria's stuff. She's a great person. I'm excited to see how it goes. If if I was looking around or it wasn't doing a good job, hey, it's my first time, you know, but we'll do it again um, in the future, I'm sure. And and um, and thank you so much for having me, Maria. Yeah, it was cool. Thank it was you so much. Up.